This is People Every Day. Coming up, breaking down Demi Lovato's frozen yogurt controversy. I wanted to call out behaviors or branding things that didn't sit right with me. Plus, former Bachelor star Colton Underwood comes under fire. And all about Frank of Ireland, a funny new show worth binging. It's April 20th. Hi guys, this is People Every Day. I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein, and it is Tuesday. And before we get into anything else, the verdict is in. Ex-police officer Derek Chauvin has been found guilty of all charges for the murder of George Floyd. Take a listen. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count one, unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021 at 1.44 p.m. Signed, juror four-person, juror number 19. As I speak, there are people honking and taking to the streets in celebration. And I think back to people's interview with George Floyd's sister a few weeks ago and the pain that was still in her voice a year later. George Floyd's life mattered, and I can only hope this news brings even the slightest bit of comfort to his grieving family. More on this developing news tomorrow. In the world of Hollywood, though, we have a pretty interesting array of celebrity news stories to get into today. And we'll do that in a sec, but you're in for a treat later in the episode when I catch up with the brothers Gleason. That's real life siblings, Donal and Brianne Gleason, who co-star in the funny new Amazon Prime show, Frank of Ireland. We get into their whole celebrity sibling dynamic and the crazy antics they get into on the show. So stick around for that. But first, as I promised, top stories. And I'm here with People.com managing editor, Charlotte Triggs, to walk and talk us through it all. Hi, Charlotte. Hey, Janine, how's it going? Good, good. It's always great to have you on the show. You know everything about everything. (laughs) First off, uh, there's much ado about Froyo today, right? So let's let folks in on the latest about the sweet treat and Demi Lovato and why these two things are not mixing very well. So Demi Lovato went off on her social media um, saying that she had an unpleasant experience when she went for frozen yogurt. Um, She'd gone to this, you know, small place in Los Angeles, not a chain or anything um, called the Big Chill. And she said that as someone recovering from an eating disorder, she felt really triggered when she saw all of these diet and sugar-free options and that it kind of felt like something that like kind of set her off and it set her down like a dark path of her thinking because she had come to view frozen yogurt as something like safe and like, you know, low calorie and already like not something where you need to be constantly reminded of diet culture. And she called them diet culture vultures for, you know, for forcing her to be reminded of, of all this stuff. It's, it's all very complex. And of course, you know, they did respond to her immediately and said, well, we're, we're really sorry you feel that way. You know, we do have sugar-free options for people with diabetes. We have options for people with celiac disease. We have options that are indulgent for people who want to like have something delicious. And she basically wasn't kind of having it. Mm. And now this has set off a whole debate over whether or not her attacking them on her social media, which has, I think, 10 million followers, was an appropriate thing to do. Yeah. And so, so you know, the signs that said sugar-free, gluten-free um, can be argued for people with diseases. But Demi brings up a good point that, you know, eating disorders, that that's the disease as well. Those are diseases 
too. And so, you know, should we be accommodating for, you know, mental health diseases or, or you know, as, as well as physical diseases and, and, and those things that it, it just opens up that, that whole box. Um, and, and I don't know, like I, I, for someone who, and I should say, you know, I don't have an experience, you know, with this. When you read it on on face value, you're like, wait, you're canceling Froyo? Like, what's what's wrong with Froyo? But at the same time, if you are, like you say, if you are someone who has struggled to see diet, 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 diet everywhere, maybe that's that's it, right? Maybe that's the word that's problematic. So, you know, the thing is, is that I think everybody acknowledges that she does have some kind of point here, but the execution of it is largely unfair. I mean, she's lashing out at what is a cultural trend, but she's taking it out on a specific small business mm. that you know, from where they're sitting, I think that they probably feel that they have no choice but to label things because this labeling of food products is highly regulated. And when it does have to do with things that are, that can have actual impact on somebody, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you have to be very precise with your labeling of like no sugar, of no wheat, of these of potential allergens and stuff like that. There's really no no way around that. Absolutely, absolutely. And she, and she did apologize. And she she took to social media and in part she said, I am very outspoken about the things that I believe in. I understand that sometimes my messaging can lose its meaning when I get emotional. I am human. As someone that deals with an eating disorder like is in recovery from an eating disorder, I still to this day have a hard time walking into a froyo shop ordering yogurt and being content with it and keeping it down. I know that seems like not a huge deal to a lot of people, but for me it is. It's pretty complicated. It's pretty complicated. I mean, I think a lot of people are finding that, you know, she didn't really handle this very well and that it was kind of inappropriate to target a small business. But Jamila Jamil, who's very outspoken about diet culture and the mm-hmm. toxic Oh yeah, she's the one who takes topics. on the tummy teas and all that other stuff, right? Yeah, she's very much anti all of that. And she has spoken out today saying that ortho Orthorexia, which is when people, you know, become obsessed with dieting and, you know, restricting of certain types of things is something that's very easily triggered by being constantly presented with diet labels and stuff like that. Well, I need I need someone to figure it out, figure out the labels. I love me some Froyo. It's getting hot. <laughs> uh, so I, I want to talk a little bit about another um, celebrity that is in the news right now and getting a bit of backlash. Uh, Colton Underwood. We talked about him uh, earlier uh, this month and he made a splash uh, coming out as gay, former Bachelor. Um, So that was a first for that franchise. Um, But now he's being taken to task a little bit. He has a Netflix deal that is reportedly in the works and fans, or I guess they're not fans, but (laughs) critics are saying he shouldn't have this Netflix deal and, and petitioning for him not to, you know, have this new platform because of his past. So let's take people through like why this is a sticking point for some people. From his time on The Bachelor, he was dating Cassie Randolph for over a year. You know, they were together at the beginning of um, the pandemic and stuff like this, and he had been sick and she kind of nursed him back to health and all of this. But then they broke up abruptly last summer. From there, things got a little strange because there was a restraining order filed by Cassie against Colton, where she alleged that he had... Um, been basically stalking her, that he'd placed a tracking device in her vehicle and that he'd shown up, you know, at a couple different locations where she was, including in an alley outside of her family's home. Okay. And we never really got a clear explanation of what, what was going on here, but they did eventually, she did 
ultimately um, allow police to dismiss the charges with without prejudice, meaning that um, she wasn't intending to file them again. But now, you know, people are reflecting on this and they're thinking, you know, okay, it's um, not really that cool that you're going to do a show about your journey, you know, to to decide to come out. Like, that's nice that you came out and everything, but this is an affront that you, you know, treated this woman this way. And this petition is basically like citing this as a reason why Netflix ought to cancel his program. Yeah. And what about and what about Cassie? I felt like she she had a bit of a pause as well after the news came out. This it seemed like it was news to her. Yes, right? it appears as though she um, didn't know and certainly hadn't been given the heads up that mm. it was about to become public. Um, she didn't know that he was going on GMA. And she did post a statement on her social media saying, you know, basically, thank you for supporting me, not uh, directly addressing anything, but obviously with the backdrop of everything that's going on, it was clearly, you know, in response to the news. But she's been largely totally quiet. And I think it's like, she's probably a loss for what to say. You know what I mean? It's like, it was a very weird experience. He was... Um, he didn't treat her well after their breakup and, and in the process of breaking up. And it's probably a little hard yeah. to, if you're her, to formulate any supportive thoughts right yeah. now. I mean, he said he said it. He said when he was speaking with Robin Roberts that he, um, you know, wasn't who he would want to be at that time. And he was working through a lot of things and he apologized, you know, to a lot of people, a lot of the women. I mean, he had, you know, a whole bevy of, of, of bachelorettes, yeah. you know, I think he was regretful he, of his behavior um, in general. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And then, uh, just one more story I want to get into, um, before I lose you, uh, it's a, it's a hair story. <laughs> We're going to talk about, uh, Megan McCain and her hairstylist, right. Oh, yeah. Who, uh, has spoken out in defense of herself. <laughs> um, I guess she's, she was accused by, by certain fans of The View for saying that uh, she is intentionally sabotaging Meghan McCain by doing her hair in all of these myriad styles that, um, that I guess some people aren't this is just such a 2021 kind of story that like there would be oh my god the that there would be a rumor that takes hold like this of sabotage via hairstyle like you know what i mean like <laughs> that the person is dry, <laughs> that they have some kind of specific agenda and it's being enacted through her her hair looks is just so nutty i mean so since megan came back from maternity leave in january she has been, you know, displaying all these kind of like sometimes just quirky, sometimes a little nutty hairstyles, you know what I mean? And she has actually already herself on her social media said several times, kind of clapped back at people and said like, this is the only fun I get to have right now. You can't go out. You can't really do much. It's the pandemic still. How much fun can somebody have? She's a new mom. So she's like staying close to home anyway, that like she's expressing herself via her hair, but it's continued to get lots and lots of attention. And then of yeah. course the people who are not agreeing with her on whatever she's talking about have tended to mm -hmm. ease upon the hair as a little extra way to kind of get their dig in. Yeah, because she's, I mean, people have taken issue with her views yeah. on The View and and um, and this is just yet another way. I mean, if she was like universally beloved, like this might not be <laughs> like as, as big of an issue. But I have also noticed that, you know, people have been commenting that there is possibly a cultural appropriation issue um, with some 
of her hairstyles and that like, you know, there are a lot of hairstyles that are traditionally worn mm-hmm. by African-American women that she's been rocking on the show. And, and some people have taken issue with that. But also then there's the argument. Why are we talking about this woman's hair so much? Why are we even bothered with it? If she were a man, you know, but we wouldn't be notice. talking about yeah, we wouldn't be talking about and it. Meanwhile, as much. the funny, the the to me, the most amusing part of all is that the hairstylist, her answer to all of it is like, "Oh, I work in the ABC News division, and I'm just basically like hairspraying people and brushing them straight every day. And the fact that I get to like do a fun hairstyle is like the highlight of her day, basically. And she's literally just kind of having a little bit of fun because it's the one client on her roster of like news anchors that she's able to do that with." <laughs> Yeah. Look, hairstylists just want to have fun, man. (laughs) (laughs) I picture her being like, okay, so what are we going to do today? (laughs) Totally. They're obviously, you know, they're obviously going to town with it. And, you know, it seems fairly harmless. (laughs) Well, look, if if for whatever reason you are free, Megan McCain's hairstylist, we we could use you over at People. (laughs) (laughs) Charlotte, thank you so much. Thanks, Janine. Next up, Frank of Ireland stars Donal and Brianne Gleason on brotherhood, Irish humor, and putting it all together for their new show. Stay tuned. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Guys, there is a brand new hot mess of a show. Oh, wait, no. It's a new show about a hot mess of a man called Frank of Ireland <laughs> that's streaming on Amazon Prime. The show stars real-life brothers Donal and Brianne Gleason. Donal, you know from films like Harry Potter, Ex Machina, and one of my son's favorites, Peter Rabbit, and Brianne from Peaky Blinders, Rebellion, Snow White, and The Huntsman, and more. But let's talk about Frank of Ireland. Joining me now are the brothers Gleason to break down their new comedy. Hi, Donal. Hello, how are you doing? Good, good. Hi, Brianne. Hello. So, okay, Brianne, let's start with you. You play the titular Frank, right? Um, Who, by all accounts, has had a pretty terrible go of it. So I'm wondering if you can just introduce him to everyone and talk about what we can expect from him this, this very freshman season of the show. Yes, Frank is a somewhat ridiculous man or not even somewhat. Frank is a ridiculous man. He's self-centered. He's misanthropic. He's kind of a terrible fantasist uh, who hasn't really grown up. And he lives with his mom. He's 33 years of age. His ex-girlfriend is is moving on and and is dating a a new man. And he has a best friend called Doofus, played by Donal, uh, who he treats very badly as well. So the show is about him and about how he needs to grow up but can't where is frank coming from i uh, and this is for both of you like uh, can either of you relate i hope not but (laughs) he's coming from ireland and that's all we need to say about that he's he's i mean what do you say about him like he's 
he kind of thinks the world owes him something, I think, and uh, and feels like what it owes him is really overdue. And he's wondering when is the thing that the world owes me going to arrive. So he's sort of angry at the world for not having made him a better place. But what he doesn't realize is he is he has such an amazing place. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he lives free. You know what I mean? Like he's got most things a person can want in terms of the essential needs. But he just thinks he's owed much, much more. So basically, he's he's Brian. You're saying like this? Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. It's exactly the same as Brian. Um, <laughs> no, he, I think the reason we like him is because he's he he also does try and make things happen. You know, like he 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 wants to have a music career. He thinks he should have a great music career, even though he can't play very well or sing very well or write very good songs. <laughs> yeah, he thinks he's making the world a better place, but actually he's only trying to make the world a better place for himself. For himself. I think that's kind of... Yeah. I, I think I know someone like that. You better not be <laughs> talking about Brian. Brian's a wonderful human being. I won't hear a word against him. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, well Donna, you play Doofus. So, and he is a very, very quirky man. Um, and so what was it like working alongside your brother on this project and, and, and how much of your, your real dynamic, I guess, plays out on screen, if at all? I mean, hopefully not too much. Um, well, the thing is, I am um, Frank. It was great for you just to have to go <laughs> when this actually, well, you know, as we're doing a scene, you say when this actually happened to you in real life, how did it go down? You know, sort of like. Yeah, how, how would how would Donald react? And then basically all we did was change the name. And even that, I mean, do <laughs> isn't all that different from Donal. I mean, it looks much the same on paper. So I think, yeah, I basically played myself again. He's sort of, <laughs> the way we talked about it was, we thought if Frank is sort of a hormonal, angry, psychopathic, sort of in that way that you are when your hormones are mad, mm-hmm. a 13-year-old, you know, mm-hmm. that doof was more like a nine-year-old, a little bit more naive okay. and a little bit more open, but still a, a maniac in a certain way. You don't know what a nine-year-old is going to do. And, and you just don't know what Doofus is going to do either. At all. And you guys are involved in literally every single step of this process, right? From executive producing to writing to acting in the show. Uh, what was it like getting here, getting to this point where, you know, everyone's going to be able to see this baby? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It never felt like we were in control because we weren't. It was, it was always uh, <laughs> this crazy project. But, you know, we got together, the three of us, myself, Don and Michael Maloney. Uh, we started writing it. And even that kind of started the process in a way that, that was incredibly helpful uh, and uh, made it very real for us. So, again, you know, and even in the shoot, we had a director, MJ Delaney, who was great. So at every stage of the process, there was there was someone overseeing it uh, who was going, no, you can't do that because I don't care if it happened to you in real life. It's too much for this show. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh, what was on the cutting room floor of this show? <laughs> no comments, no comments. <laughs> I love it. Well, okay, funny is just universal, but this has a very real uh, setting, a place, Ireland. We are are there. Um, What would you say is intrinsic to that Irish humor, that 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 set? What does it bring to this show? I'm not I'm not totally sure. I know that in the first episode, they're having an argument over, you know, an open casket, uh, you know, at, at 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 a wake. And even my girlfriend was just saying, you know, you wouldn't necessarily see that. Well, anywhere. But uh, in terms of the comedy, <laughs> they've, they've kind of felt Irish to her or something, you know, and, and maybe it's, you know, that death is speaks with a loud voice. You know what that, that's saying? Yeah. In that way, you know, like some of the people that we 
love who've done stuff in Ireland, you know, like Martin McDonough and stuff like that, who can mess around with darkness in the middle of real comedy, you know? Um, I think that's, that's where we kind of really get a kick out of it and really have that, like, it feels like bold, like naughty laughter almost. You feel like you shouldn't be laughing, but it's still funny. Um, but there's a lot of that in America as well. Curb Your Enthusiasm and things like that have that as well. So For sure, for sure. Uh, okay, so, Donald, best and worst part of working with your sibling. Tell the truth. Um, I think there was, there was a period when we went from writing the show to seeing the show come alive. Breen is very much the center of the show. And on the first taster that we did, and then when we started shooting the first episode, basically, seeing it come to life in a way that I wasn't expecting, in an even better way than I had imagined, and seeing his imagination and skill at play, that was like a really amazing thing to see as a, uh, as a brother and a friend and stuff like that. And then, I mean, we're, I'd love to say there's something horrible now, Brian, for the worst one. I mean, imagine <laughs> something that you didn't know that was like, he's just, his personal hygiene is all over the place. And you thought that thing with the bag of poo was made up. Let me tell you something. <laughs> yeah. He just, yeah, he's just not, a, not a clean individual. That's all I'll say. No, no, there's no, there's no, there's no downside. I think it was difficult. And, and again, but that became an upside too, because seeing that we were still able to get through the difficult times together with the relationship intact and stronger than ever um, was great. So there was no downside to it. It was all good. What about you, Brian? You see, now I, I will say, uh, I will say this, right? <laughs> no, in the early days, trying to just wrangle it and trying to, you know, just personally, what, what am I bringing to what, what are we actually making here? But I found as it went on, I kind of leaned into it a lot more. And just, I, I found the time I got to shooting, I just loved being able to go over to Donald um, uh, and just have a chat with him about, about the scene. And I, I was very thankful for that. I felt like a real kind of safety net just as an actor. So I kind of, the process almost got easier as it went on. It's funny you say something like that, but then, you know, <laughs> Remember the stress of conversations. Um, <laughs> I know. In retrospect, you're like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. We did. We. I don't think we argued once. No. It's like, oh no. <laughs> it was about seven weeks in the middle there where no. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I can't wait to see all of that energy on screen. And we will be lucky to watch Rank of Ireland, you guys. Thank you so much, Donald, Brianne. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was my chat with actors Donal and Brianne Gleeson. For more on them, head over to People.com and catch them on Frank of Ireland, streaming now on Amazon Prime. Now, a little something to make you smile, and that's middle school choir teacher Taryn Tinner Rules. She has her class full of 13-year-olds at Cityside Middle School in Zeeland, Michigan, in perfect pop harmony. She's been having fun with Call and Response, where she calls out famous one-liners and hooks to hit songs and has the young singers respond on cue and on key Take a listen. What do those kids know about the Backstreet Boys? <laughs> well, they sound great, and Miss Rules is doing a great job. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. 